All right, hi, welcome back to another EDU podcast. Uh, I'm Jack Williams. And I'm Ty. And today, this is our first episode where we are going to have uh, another person on, another speaker. And we don't, just to kind of relay this format, we don't do interviews. We're not looking to interview people. We're really looking to have a conversation. Um, and that's what hopefully we'll have more people on in the future. But this episode is going to be about uh, passion-based learning. So to talk about passion uh, and its place in education, we wanted to bring on Kelly Long, uh, principal of Agnew Middle School here in Mesquite. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Kelly. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be a part of this uh, conversation because I am very passionate about passion-based learning. I feel like that's where we need to move in education. But first, um, my name is Kelly Long and I'm the principal at Agnew. This is my second year here. Prior to that, I was an assistant principal in the middle and high school world for about 10 years. And prior to that, I was a high school English teacher. And um, I've had about 20 years of experience in education, but even before that, I am a child of educators. My, I was raised by educators. So education is truly something that is um, my mission work. All right, so when it comes to passion-based learning, we want to um, kind of describe what do we think it is and what are our thoughts on that. And, and also why, uh, why? Why passion-based learning? Why is that a big thing? So we can go through that. So the world's changing, I think. And, and this has been my biggest aha, I think, over the last, oh, probably five years or so, is that is the engagement of students in school. And when I was, um, that's oh, my class right dismissal. We'll stop right there. All right. So about five years ago, my aha moment was I'm just watching students as an administrator I'm watching students and their lack of engagement in the lessons and we have teachers you know teaching standing on desk creating engaging lessons but you have students that are just kind of eh when they receive a lesson and then they're getting the lesson and they're just memorizing it and then once they take the test because you know we're very standardized focused once they taste that test then they forget the knowledge and they're moving on they're not creating real world application skills um, and then my ch children my own personal children are now teenagers and they're in high school and middle school and I see their lack of engagement so to me like passion-based learning is for a child to find what they're passionate about. For me, I'm passionate about kids, I'm passionate about schools, I'm passionate about creating a better tomorrow. The education system was founded in like early, late 1800s, early 1900s for an industrialized um, world. Well, we're now beyond that. We're now having to create a world where we're problem solvers, we're critical thinkers, we are, um, we are creating a world that's unknown. Um, artificial intelligence, we have the unknowns for tomorrow, and are we preparing our kids for that? And I'm gonna venture to say no, we're not. And this is a vehicle to get students to preparing them for tomorrow. I like the um, I like the mindset shift that that kind of represented going from what we needed X amount of years ago yeah. to now is obviously gonna be different. Um, one of the questions, I mean, one of the things I always think about, I kind of think about is when or how do people find out what what they are passionate about right. and that's you know and, and for a lot of people it's it may be school but for a lot of people it's not and some people don't find out till a lot later right. about what they're passionate about it makes me think about this age group here especially right mm -hmm. we have six seventh and eighth graders they're going to be going into high school and they're going to have to choose these paths but we don't know exactly what they want to be right it's still pretty early right. Right. and we're making them decide yeah. so early 
So what can we do? So are we providing, so the question I ask, are we providing them opportunities to learn different things? Like are we providing opportunities to where they can taste the arts and they can taste the engineering and coding and health and medical science so that they can figure out who they are and what they're interested in? And you can be interested in more than one thing. Like I think it could be varied, right? Yeah, and I, I, I think that's the, uh, the main idea there is it can vary and by, maybe it's a, solution of letting teachers explore what they're passionate about so they can kind of see what how that looks you know if we design staff developments or personal professional development where a teacher can maybe it's not about what you're going to do in your classroom or what tool you're going to learn maybe it's what are you passionate about let's just 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 explore that and see what happens i think when we start going down paths and and talking and learning about things that we are passionate about it makes it easier to talk about and it makes it easier to share with other people because you're all about that it makes you super excited, and you just think that if everybody else was excited as I was, how fun would that be? Right. Um, and so I wonder, you talked about the kid who is not engaged in class right now. Um, what do you think would be a good way to find out what that student's passionate about? I think number one is you have to talk to the kid and you have to get to know them and I think you know we always talk about building relationships as the foundation of education it really truly is you have to build a relationship with that student Um, there is like interest inventories that you can do with kids there is give them opportunities to try to experience um, my personal example of, of a kid that's passionate is my son Adam he is a sophomore in high school and city boy born and raised but he went fishing one day (laughs) and he is I know it's random but he's so passionate about fishing and his he's learned about you know um, he the different fish and how they spawn and on and on and on and he YouTubes it and he's self-discovery on that but it was not directed by my husband or I it was completely directed by him he found his passion area so I like that you said that it was not directed by you so But I say, are you fostering that passion? Yeah, and completely. The question I would ask is, maybe maybe that's a um, a level of attentiveness mm-hmm. on a parent or a teacher's right. part, right? Amen. If are you are you you can see things, but you really can't see right. them. Does that make sense? Or you can listen, but you're not really listening. Mm-hmm. Can so are we really seeing our students for who they are as people? Well, do we have time? I think the extension question is, do we have time in our curriculum with the, in the age of standardization testing? And that's where I think that's where the passion halts is because the teachers are preparing for the test of tomorrow, the test that's down the road, and the, and the curriculum is you've got to move at a faster pace. Are we giving them the opportunity to really delve into their passions and connect it, their passions, and connect it to the curriculum? Can you connect fishing to math? 100% without a doubt. You know, there's a whole business aspect. Can you connect it to the history? Can you connect it to English? Can you connect economics. it to science and economics? And really, yeah. that's where he should be focusing is how do you connect the, the curriculum to his passion? So as a principal, if you were talking to his teachers and that were an option, right, and they were totally on board for we see how excited he is about fishing and how much he is just loving that. He's diving in, researching, learning more about it probably getting better at it, right. I would assume. Yeah. Um, how, what, what advice would you give a teacher to let them know that it's okay to let him explore that? 
And, and I keep going back to the age of standardization. It's hard for a teacher to get let go of the reins a little bit and let it be student-directed learning. But I think he's going to go much more in-depth, and that's, that's, that's what I would encourage his teachers is give him the opportunity to explore. You know, you said, how did you foster as a parent? Well, that's what we did. We just gave him opportunities, opportunities to fish, fishing schools it exists uh, <laughs> camps um, really? who knew yeah no who oh, knew okay. um, but i gave we give those opportunities so give him an offer give him a project-based uh, learning give him um give him passion-based learning to what that connects to all the curriculum and then let go of that control a little bit and see how he can fly i think that's really what we have to do in education and, it, and it's almost um in a sense like too pragmatic to yeah. to go through the education system to kind of go to college and do that thing but it's it's a I would say that it would be more, I guess, more beneficial if we had more control over what we do in the classroom, right? right. More, how we could build the passion. You know, here in Texas, our standards are called the TEKS. Oh. And so what do you think, so that teacher is on board and they do let that happen. What do you think that conversation with your son Adam and the teacher is, or, or what does that look like to get him to understand what that standard is? Mm-hmm and for him to be able to apply his love of fishing to that standard so that's a that's a good deep hard question because that that it's a very um it's a very gray area it's not black and white you teach this this is how you teach it and then you take the test on it um the teaks are the standard in which we teach and i fully believe in the teaks and that it creates a good foundation of learning but i think the key is a foundation is we're teaching let's say 50 standardized teaks a year but how much do we truly know about each of those individual teaks how much have you allowed the student to really delve into the teak and to look about how do you connect the fishing with um, the moon phases for example, in the eighth grade, we do moon phase. So how do you connect? And there's definitely a connection to that. He would really remember those moon phases if he was able to connect it mm-hmm. to fishing. And so what does that look like in the classroom? I mean, that's a discussion. That's why I'm a strong believer of collaboration with teachers and a collaboration with the students. Talk to Adam. You know, he's going to tell you. He's going to help you make those connections. Um, the teaks need to be taught. They need to be taught with fidelity. But I think he's going to go in depth with a lot of the teeth and learn a lot more than just skimming the surface and which what we do now just to prepare for May. So I think you've talked before, aren't there fishing scholarships? Right. right? Oh, he's I already mean, looked into so it. Yeah, he, knows. he could actually mm-hmm. go to school yeah. for fishing. Right. So could we say that maybe we're actually doing him a disservice yeah. right now and kind of holding him back from really what he is in his future and, and, and Adam is a self-directed kind of an AP kid self-directed learner like it doesn't have to be he has self-motivation with it with just education in general um, but he had made the comment to me the other day and it kind of broke my heart is he said I know in college and because he's going to college he knows that's where he needs to be but he said I know I have just like in high school I have to learn to play the game and in college, I have to learn to play the game in order to get the grade, in order to get that diploma, which gives him more options in the future because he wants to own his own, um, he wants to, his own God service. So he can, he's very specific about right. what he wants. Um, but he knows that's sad that we don't want our kids to play a game. We want them to be critical thinkers, problem solvers, to own your own business. Let's say he wants a God service. Like he really needs to be practicing those communication skills with other adults, problem solving, how to work as a team. If you ask, um, you know, if you ask 
Google or Amazon of what do they need from their employees, that's what they're going to tell you. They're not going to say somebody who can solve the, you know, quadratic formula or whatever. They're going to say, I want problem solvers, critical thinkers, people who are able to think outside the box. Um, and that's what we want for Adam. And I definitely think if you, especially if he, if, when did he find this passion? Oh, fifth grade. Fifth grade. He's say, a sophomore so, now. So he could go through middle school. Mm-hmm. How amazing would it be to, if he was able to sit down with a counselor or, or schedule registrar or someone who could schedule them and tell them, hey, this is my passion. And they were like, okay, well, you're going to need a lot of business skills right. to run your own business. Right. Obviously, running a business is great, but the majority of it is the business aspect of it, right? The guide service would be just right. 20% of it. He'd have to know how to market himself. No doing So you could gear his education towards those skills. And let's be real, if we had an X amount of percent of our students that left with hard and fast business skills where, I mean, they could do anything. They right. could run any business. And, and that's preparing for an unknown tomorrow. And I think yeah. that's the biggest wake up that I've had in having conversations with people in the district is that we're not preparing our kids for, you know, a world in which, you know, AI is going to be controlling the transportation system or something like that. You and, know, we don't know what tomorrow looks like. And if you backtrack on a lot, I would say 10, 15 years ago, there are so many self-employed jobs that we don't uh, we didn't consider or right. and so, and some people still don't consider them real jobs right. when their kids are on YouTube and they're making hundreds of thousand dollars they're like well, right. you get a real job right <laughs> that is your real job yeah, you're, making, right. you're, exactly. make, you're making more off right. one YouTube video than some of us making a year right so those are and those are business skills mm-hmm. or marketing putting yourself out there mm-hmm. uh, a successful fishing YouTube channel right. alone. oh so, there's a thousand of them yeah so having these all of these things that yeah. you're, and you can from fishing you can, I mean, well, that's just one example is the fishing. You can find other stuff that you're passionate mm-hmm. about if you are right. passionate about social media or getting or spreading your message and getting yourself out there. That's right. That's I right. wonder if a decent entry point for teachers to maybe start exploring this path is to kind of take stock in the skills that he's picking up already. So mm-hmm. whenever you do love something, right, your research skills become really good yeah. because you're constantly looking up and trying to find yes. as much information as possible. Um, you're probably talking to people about it, right, or you get better maybe talking to experts or doing that. So I wonder if some of these skills that we're developing um, could be used in other areas. Mm-hmm. So if we're not ready to dive headfirst into right passion-based learning, whatever they want to learn about, at least allow students to utilize some of these skills Amen. in their lessons. And I think too, if let's take, you know, Adam for example, or that student who has a passion, how beneficial would it be if, if that's what they want to do? Mm-hmm. Maybe after college, or maybe after high school. I'm sorry. Maybe they don't go out to college. Maybe they spend a year or two mentor or being mentored by right. somebody who's a business owner right. who does that in their area. Hey, I'm a you know person. This is what I want to do mentor me help me become successful and if that per- if say in two years they start right. their own business and they can be on their own will a will they they've discovered their passion mm-hmm. they're doing some of their passion they haven't taken on monstrous student loan debt how how better off are they going to be the rest of their life mm-hmm. I mean, and how much is college preparing them for the real world i mean that's college is another four to six years extension depending on you know what they want to do and what they're what they're passionate about i, I can tell you with 100 percent certainty that the first all of my college experience did not prepare me for the first day of school. No, yeah, even as a teacher, and you probably, oh, me too, the student first teaching. Day of school. I did student teaching and spent a year in school. You're really not quite prepared no, until it's given to you and shut the door and, okay, I'm on my own. Can we come back down to earth just yeah. a little bit? Because it seems like maybe our heads are in the clouds because 
I know people who, once they graduate high school, they're like, I'm going to take a year and I'm going to explore my passions. Yeah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see the world. What's the difference between that and what you think we're talking so about? So why can't, why do they have to leave school in order to explore their passions? I think there's the missing element is that we're not giving them the opportunities in school. Because I really think about, you know, Adam has two parents that really foster, they're looking, and same with my daughter, Abby, is, and she's a little bit, she's not as focused on where she's going in her past. She's a seventh, eighth grader. And so she's exploring different things and we're giving her the opportunity to take piano, the opportunity she to play softball, the opportunity she wants to be a teacher. So I'm giving her time in, the, in schools. But what about the students that don't have those two parents sitting at home that right. are either working too late? The or, majority of our kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And sure. I worry about those kids. And so our jobs here at the school is to give them those opportunities. And that's a question I'm constantly asking myself. Am I giving those students all those opportunities? So in, in your situation, your child found this passion and kind of came to you, hey, this is what I'm passionate yeah. about. But uh, really the kind of the goal is, or one aspect of it is trying to get our teachers to to find the student passion in their students, right? And I, I found this online. I don't know where. I'm going to go with unquoted. <laughs> um, but there was two. it says that there are two ways to get a child passionate about something. One is to find out what each child is innately passionate yeah. about. So let's say the education education system tomorrow, we were going to change it. What, what could we do to get our kids passionate? Or what could we do in our classrooms currently right now what, what that would foster that passion? Opportunity. No, opportunity. I mean, I, I don't know any other words for it. I don't know the time. Maybe you can. But it's just to give them the opportunity to self-explore, to have conversations, to do some self-inventory. I mean, their passion might be Fortnite. So right now. Yeah. Right now. Middle, right. But what does it really mean? that? What do they really lack about Fortnite? Is maybe it, it the is. The gaming. The is gaming. It? It's the yeah. problem solving. It's the. Maybe it's the collaboration with other people. Yeah. The I mean, so they're, that's, that's, yeah. those are the kind of conversations you have to have with those kids. How many, how, let's, let's say a normal school. How many? What percentage? How many students do you think experience this? I mean, I would say it's probably less than mm. less than five. I don't know. Maybe that's way low. In a middle school, I think in high school, I saw passion um, with a student at Mesquite High School that was talking about. Um, he was talking about it was um, computer science. Thank you, computer science. He was talking about, and he talked to a group of principals about his computer science. He did not find his passion until his junior year, and he found that one teacher that That's said, true. "Hey, have you thought about trying this? Have you considered that?" It was that teacher that made that connection, and when he got up in front of those principals to talk, oh my gosh, you could see the fire in his eyes. But right behind him was a teacher who came in who had fire in her eyes, so and he was had, so passionate oh, okay. about computer science. If we had more teachers who are having those conversations and exposing kids. Right. to different opportunities and to different, I don't know, just things out there in the world, then potentially. But I think, I mean, I even think it's some of our teachers probably don't know what they're passionate about. Uh, okay, so Ty can talk on this because we tried right. at the <laughs> beginning. We yeah. did this at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Like that was my thing is like, okay, we need to get passion back into schools and we're going to start with teachers. Just like you said, I'm going to start with teachers. Are you passionate? And we did this, we did a passion initiative. I wanted them to create a portfolio and part of that portfolio, um, like a digital portfolio mm -hmm. was what were you passionate about? And there are some teachers that really just grabbed onto it and did real well, mm -hmm. but there was, would you say a majority? I'd say a majority, you know, didn't, um, not necessarily, they didn't find a passion, but they're at least not sharing it or documenting it or mm -hmm. exploring it. And I think one of the the different, definite barriers to that is time. I yeah. mean, we always come back to time. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think maybe sometimes when you say time's the problem, I think we're using our time um, places mm -hmm. that maybe we should give up mm -hmm. or maybe we should reorganize our time. Yeah, I don't think time is the issue at all. I 100% <laughs> think 
if you are passionate about something, you will make the time. Absolutely. You'll find the time. And I, I don't think if you're, pa- I think you're passionate about something, one more thing doesn't occur to you. I think if you, like your son, right. if he was going to try to be a business owner, it's not, oh, I got to do YouTube. It's, oh, I get to do this. Right. I get to do this. I get to get on social media. I get to share my passion with the world. I get right. to share what I want or what I'm. Um, if you had a, a yeah. school full, I have, let's say, um, 100 teachers, 150 teachers here at, at Agnew. If I had a school full of teachers that were passionate about their job, you know, taught with the passion of the computer science teacher at uh, Mesquite High School, wow. I mean, your kids would be engaged at all levels because yeah. when you see someone that's passionate, even though I'm not interested in computer science, but I hung on every single word of that student because right. I wanted to see what he had to say, and I love to see that excitement coming off of him, you know, because it was passion. So what if that translated, if you have teachers that were teaching about something that they were passionate about and truly engaged with the kids, that's what's going to help them give them opportunity. And I think sometimes, too, it's almost like an uh, – Especially for some people, it's almost like an embarrassment to share what you're passionate about. Yeah, I mean, it could be. It could be I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think well, it could maybe be it's not good enough, or, or it maybe be, yeah. maybe it's yeah. Or they're going to be judged for it, yeah. or I mean, even adults. If you are passionate about something and you're going to go above and beyond, you, what are your coworkers going to say? What is you know? Say you have two other team members and you're over here killing it, going above and beyond. You are staying late because you're passionate about something. Maybe it's a lesson you want to do or, or a thing you want to do, um, and you're appears or not you're gonna get you're gonna get judgment i am not that passionate about field trips i like field trips a lot right <laughs> and so at when i taught in middle school i would try to go on a field trip right. every year let's go on a field trip nobody wanted to go on a field trip ever why did you want to go on a field trip because i thought what what an experience to get away from the school for one day <laughs> one day we get out of, of these four walls and we can go <laughs> do something else together right. Well, you touched on that one student. You know, I think those are kind of the moments that we as teachers, like, we crave. Yeah. We want to see our kids excited about something that we're excited about. We want them to not only take what we've done, but make it better, put their own spin on it, and then become successful right. in that area. That's right. um, yeah. what, what you spoke upon about teachers, um, you know, kind of hiding it or they're inhibited, they don't feel like they can, that's a culture piece to me. Like, that's oh, a school culture. Yeah. So if you have teachers, not, and I, I know it's not going to be 100%. But if I had teachers that were, you know, pockets of passion all over the place, it's going to be contagious. It's going to, like we've seen, I've seen it grow just in this year alone. We just started this conversation here. And I see, I can see changes now. It's smaller, it's it's slower than I would like. Mm-hmm. But I know next year it's going to, I'm because I'm going to give them the time to pursue that and I'm going to encourage it. So that's what I hope at least. As we're starting to dive into passion-based learning, I know one thing we'll have to talk about is, when do we think students lose a passion? So, like when I think yeah. of elementary kindergarten. schools, kindergarten, right? They're so kindergarten? passionate. They're oh. so passionate in kindergarten. Really? Oh, they're they're just okay. loving life. Yeah. You know, they're loving right. letters and everything numbers, is great. and you know, right. yeah, everything's great. And so, you know, when they get to middle school, I taught middle school, and mm-hmm. I could see that you know just, a lot of them the 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 fire just was just burning mm-hmm. out. And then we still have four years of school left to go for high school. And it, yeah. And I'll go through an experience I did. So I taught at middle, middle level. I went to see someone at an elementary school, right? And on the way there, I was like, this is not going to help me. Why am I doing this? And I, so I went over there. This school was incredible. All the Like one of the rooms had uh, dark lights. It had posters and stuff on the wall. It was like they were going to a <laughs> Posters ju- on the wall? Not posters, but it was like... <laughs> It was like paper, and it looked like a jungle in the room. Yeah. And I, I, got, I went back to my campus, and I looked at my principal. I go, no wonder they don't like being here. Right. No wonder they're 
frustrated or they're mad because it's just sterile it's, it's a sterile environment yeah and especially it, yeah science it, isn't my, my classroom we've invited you know this is the first year here at agnew that we've had sixth graders on campus and there was a lot of sixth grade or elementary teachers that have come up and taught um here at the middle school and you can i mean they are kindergarten is so awesome because every every lesson is engaging you have to they have short attention spans you have to keep keep them engaged in everything it's going to be fun it's going to be happy and positive and relevant to them as a five-year-old or six-year-old and then the older we get we get more pressure to become standardized and we got to move on and i've got so much information i got to get on give them i've got to get on to this this curriculum, I could give them this information. I need you to sit there and just listen to me so I can give you that information. Well, you just suck the fun out of out of life, right? right. In that classroom, yeah. the kids are sitting and getting. I'm, you know, been out of school for 25 years, and we're, you know, there's some teachers that are still teaching the same way as I did when I was in school. It's funny that teachers don't feel the same about professional development. I just, right. I just got to sit here and get no, this. No, yeah, right. I, I just got to sit here. Let me, let me get this. I got to right. sit here. You know, I, I right. think teachers, we've got to start thinking that we are not the end-all sole providers Mm -hmm. of knowledge for these kids and if I think we need to create those opportunities where we're letting kids dive into a topic right something they're passionate about start exploring it and and then maybe they wouldn't hate it as much right and and I mean let's uh go to you know a little step further you know you can do Obviously, passion-based learning in the classroom is where we want to be. But, I mean, mm-hmm. what other stuff, what cu- extracurricular, what things outside of that? Because the, our standard extracurriculars, do they fit every student? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, like, I've, I know athletics and everything. I was not interested in athletics in high school. That was not what I wanted to do at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just curious, like, those extracurricular things that are provided after school or before school or whenever. I think that's the where it starts in school, especially where, where we are and where we sit today. Is the electives, to me, are so important. I want to give... You know, the strongest teachers, the most engaging teachers should be teaching elective classes because they're going to have the opportunity to explore in, le- in electives, the fine arts, the computer science courses. Um, we now in middle school have investigating career classes, so they're able That's to awesome. go. And it, they're semester courses, and they can investigate in health science, or they can Im- investigate in construction sciences or um, business and economics so you ask those are the opportunities that we should be providing yeah, for our students and so sure. you need super strong teachers that can create highly engaging so they give that opportunity to experience and explore and I never I never agreed with uh, the fact that like say a student was passionate about something we would punish them if they we didn't act right in class we take it away from them oh, we're gonna no, take it no, 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 we're gonna no. take right. athletics from you you know right. you know some kids like PE we're gonna take PE we're gonna take this away from you which I mean to me that's just a nail in the coffin. You're just right. over and over just taking yeah. away what they're passionate about. I heard a, a stat not too long ago. So we have about, what, 40,000 kids in our district. Um, and talking about the number of kids who are in athletics and fine arts, because I think traditionally mm-hmm. that's been our right main electives that we focus on. And I'm going to butcher this number, but I want to say it was only like maybe a quarter, maybe a third of our students in our district that participate in fine arts or athletics. So I think we have a large number of students who they may not have something that's readily available that's for them. That's right. So where do you think the, not necessarily the responsibility, but I mean, who do you think that falls back on to offer that? You're going back to 
the state standards of okay. what what is a standard education like in sixth grade they have to have 30 minutes of PE every every day mm-hmm. or you have to have a certain amount of minutes of English math history science or you have to have they have to have an opportunity for a fine arts credit so every and then when you get to high school they have everybody has to have one PE everybody has to have a fine arts what does that look like so that's the state standards that we're given and that's kind of goes back to our early 1900s model of of preparing kids for tomorrow is we are standardizing this is what it looks like so when you talk about passion-based learning you really got to give the kids opportunity you have to give flexibility and scheduling and we're all middle school people or high school people secondary you know how scheduling works and how difficult that can be especially working around elective classes but we need to provide we got to figure out a schedule that provides flexibility to where the kid can have time and um, support and structure to be able to work on these passion-based projects. So I think that begs the question, what do we want it to look like? You know, what can it look like? Can it fit in our system that we have right now? Um, how, do, how do we relay this information to the people at the top? I think the people that are creating I'm going to say the people at the top are having conversations. Are so they conversations? I, want that... you, I am, in fact, I can tell you without a doubt, 100%, I'm not the only one having this conversation that mm-hmm. it is, and very important people, and it's not just in, here in, in our school system, but other school systems. Um, there's books being written, and I think part of the conversation is being had, and this is the most encouraging spot, is with world changers. So um, with 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 global initiatives, Google's involved, Apple will be involved, Amazon can be involved, Uber and Lyft in conversations with the education system and saying, hey, this is what we need to prepare. This is what we need coming out of education system. Now, mm-hmm. how do we recreate um, education? Right. This is a huge paradigm shift Absolutely. that we're, we're talking this And is change, it, change is scary. Yeah. And it's slow. And it's, slow. Yeah, it's very slow. Slow, slow, slow. And I, I think it's difficult because it hasn't been done before, right? right. I mean, we don't know no. what that looks like no. on a campus level, let alone a system-wide level, right? You can create change. And, you know, I'm, I'm a strong believer of, like, nobody can tell me no. If I'm passionate about something, I'm going to figure out a way. And I'm going to figure out a way how to create change within the system that's given to me, right? So I'm a strong – does there need to be some sort of accountability and standardization as far as accountability on making sure that teachers are teaching – and kids are being taught the standards and they're prepared for tomorrow, 100% right. without a doubt. But guess what? I know without a fact for Adam, if he is being taught at a high level and he's able to self-directed learning and he's able to work on something he's passionate about that connects to English, math, history, science, he's going to be ready for whatever test is being thrown at him. Absolutely. He's going to be ready for the SAT, ACT. He's going to be ready for college. He's going to be ready. And so when I had this conversation with Adam about a week ago, because I was telling we were I was. Uh, went to a meeting that was talking about this and when I was having that conversation with him he was like oh this sounds awesome mom when do I get to do this and I was like oh yeah this is not going to affect you <laughs> your children oh, now your children I, I've, I strongly have great encouragement and I was like that's not fair I'm like but you're going to be okay because you're doing it yourself right mm-hmm. so but we don't have time to waste like what about the kids that are in the hallways right now they deserve they do they deserve 100%, an yeah. education that's you know that's caters to them and their passions so I would ask um for those, you mentioned the Google and all these companies. So for those people that are going to be listening to these companies, what do you think, how do we change, how do we, how do we change their mind, right? I mean, obviously standards have changed. So 30 years ago, if you had a tattoo, it was faux pas, right? You know, right. people wouldn't hire you, right. right? But people are hiring, you know, people have sleeves and they're getting corporate jobs. They're right. doing these things. So right. 
how how far away how far are we away from this change? I don't know. When you say who are you talking about? Who do we talk into this? Like the people who are making the rules at the very top. So in education. So in education. Who, in edu- who would that what, be? That's a good <laughs> question. Yeah. Well, that's that would question. be I mean, that would be your state legislatures yeah. that are making rules that that talk about education. I mean, I think you still have to start ha- and that would be policymakers, that would be lobbyists, that would be um, education leaders. That would be also in conversations with companies, lead companies. I mean, yeah. you've got to engage in con- I think in order to affect any type of ca- change, whether it's about cultural relevance in your school or passion in your school, number one is you engage in a conversation. And so, yeah. and they have to be willing to listen and they're, and then come, come visit my school. Let's go, let's talk about this. Let's, let me show you what some great things that are happening. There's some great, I've read lots of books and done a lot of research. There's great things that are happening all over America. But it's it's pockets of it, right? And in order for this change to happen, it's going to be small grassroots. I really like the aspect of companies or building in the local community. I mean, Dallas. Yeah. I mean, we're at Mesquite. We're right outside Dallas. Dallas Fort Worth is such a huge area. Right. We have, we have companies that could come talk to our schools or even talk to the superintendents, policymakers. What are we looking for? I think that might be a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even then, I mean, we find, we find now that some companies are encouraging passion more than our education system is. Right. right Google all these. Over all these companies are allowing you freedom to live the life you want to live, but get work done. Right. It's not so structured, I guess. And and definitely with a lot of our students who are moving towards social media and those kind of jobs and, and creating an income that way it gives them more and more freedom. Mm-hmm. Yep. Self-directed learning. I mean, think about, yeah. you know, you talked about researching with students, and I was thinking about that is that research, and it's like with calculators in the math classroom, like where does that, I think there's a big debate on whether or not you you teach them how to do the skill without the calculator right. versus with the calculator um but i'll be watching something on tv and i want to know more about information let's google it you know yeah it's, that's it's true. readily right. right there but are we teaching so i have <laughs> my daughter did this the other day she was wanting to know about a topic so she's googling on her phone and the information she gave me was incorrect so mm. what was the conversation Perfect. that we had and what do we need to do as teachers and educators as we go back and teach them how do you decipher the thousands and millions of information that's given to you to make sure it's valid and legit? Right. You know, and so those are the types of skills that we should be teaching. They're automatically researching. So talking about passion-based learning, what let's we'll, we'll do a new thing. We'll go around and kind of talk about what is our main um, main idea, main point, what do we want to, to see, what do we want to see in our schools, to see from our teachers, to see from our students? What do you guys think? I personally want to make it my mission that when I talk with a teacher about, right, their, their lesson planning and they've got to teach this, so I want to be the person who's going to ask the questions. How can we make sure that every single student is not just engaged, but maybe learning it how they want to? So I would encourage teachers mm-hmm. to um open it up and ask their students how do you want to learn this um how what questions do you have about this topic what are you curious about um and so if they would just write and and that doesn't take long i mean that could just be a five ten minute conversation to let kids start asking questions um and start making connections with the the real world and and then maybe what they like um I think that might be a good start for me and my job. What a interesting question. I mean, what if you ask that at first school? How do you want to learn this year? How do you want to learn? How do you want to learn? 
I mean, how, how, how many of your students would actually have an answer to that? I was about to say, do you think they could even answer that? Well, maybe that's, a, don't know. Maybe that's a semester-long thing. You tell but, me how you want to learn. So that's going to be one thing that we actually do on this campus is we're going to uh, have students uh, answer a form, and we want to know, um, give them some sentence stems. I learn best when. Mm. I don't think I learned this when. Um, and my favorite thing we did in class of all time is this. And start collecting those and start seeing um, maybe which classrooms is that happening in, yeah. right? Um, are, what are they interested in, these middle schoolers? And then start encouraging their teachers to give them opportunities to explore those paths. I keep thinking you keep talking about the outcome. And I think we teach, you know, what it, what, I think we need to shift our thinking to what is the outcome that we want our students at the end of the year to have? Like, mm. what do we want them to learn? What is, what is the most important thing that they walk out of Agnew and go into Mesquite High School or vice versa, Mesquite High School into the real world? What do we want them to be prepared for? And if we start catering our lessons around that of the outcome, and then I think the second most important thing, as you said, was you're asking students. Like you're giving students voice from kindergarten all the way up to high school. They should have voice in what they're doing because that's going to really, that creates, um, that creates passion. Right. So that they're able to do that. Yeah, I think 100% creating passion within our students is um, critical. I love the, um, the, choices, the choices that we give students. I think especially when you have, when you have a finite, this is what you're going to do, it, kind of, it blocks them off from, from creating. But if you give them choices to kind of how they can kind of uh, do the lesson or complete a task, you're going to give them some choices. And that just creates more passion between them. You can see what they're, uh, capable of. Right. But that's been an uh, episode of Passion Based Learning. Uh, thank you so much, Kelly, for oh, being a part yeah, of this. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to hearing more about um, you diving into Passion Based Learning. We're going to yeah. follow that journey because we definitely want to report back on what it looks like, uh, maybe the obstacles that we run into, and uh, maybe we can help encourage other people to get past those and try it for themselves. Awesome. Thank you guys. All right, thank you so much. Bye, guys. Thank you.